Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us today as we review Stellanus' full year 2023 results. Earlier today, the presentation material for this call, as well as a related press release, were posted under the Investors section of the Stellanus Group website, Today, our call was hosted by Carlos Tavares, the company's chief executive officer, and Natalie Knight, the company's chief financial officer. Before we begin, I want to point out that any forward-looking statements we might make during today's call are subject to the risks and uncertainties mentioned in the safe harbor statement included on page two of today's presentation. I'll now hand the call over to our host. That's me. I'm your host, and my name is Bodhi, and I am the host of the Kilowatt Podcast, a podcast about electric vehicles, renewable energy, autonomous driving, and much, much more. Today, we are going to cover Stellantis's Q4 2023 earnings call, and really, it's their entire 2023 end-of-year earnings call. Stellantis does things a little bit different than other companies when it comes to these uh, calls. This whole presentation is... I don't know, an hour and 24 minutes. The good news here is I'm not going to play the entire one hour and 24 minute presentation. I'm going to cherry pick the parts of the presentation that actually apply to what we do on this show. I just want to remind everybody the clips that you hear are probably going to be edited. There might even be several clips that are related to each other that are edited to sound like one clip. I just want you to be aware of that. I will put the link to the full presentation in the show notes if you're interested in hearing the entire presentation start to finish. Carlos Taveras is Stellantis's CEO, so let's go ahead and start off with his opening remarks. A real game changer, and uh, I'm focusing on this specific game changer, which is the car you have on the screen, the brand new EC3 from Citroën. This is a B hatchback, a pure BEV, that is now going to be sold in the European market at 23,300 euros for the mid trim. The entry trim will be sold from 19,990 euros. Why is this important? Well, this is important because at this price, 
this product is profitable for our company. At this price, this product is going to represent an affordable offering to our middle-class customers, which is exactly the most difficult thing that we have to do right now in the Western world is to bring, to make it simple, BVs at the price of ICEs for our middle-class customers. This is where we are. We are going to be able to offer for this 23,300 euro EC3 mid-trim 320 kilometers of WLTP range, which is a, a very competitive range for this kind of product. And later on, we are going to bring an even more price competitive product at 19,990 euros for 200 kilometers of range. I want to take just a moment and chat a little bit about the EC3 or the E. C3 Citron Battery Electric Vehicle or BEV. This is a four-door small SUV. Uh, I'm going to start with the exterior. The exterior looks like a pretty, pretty standard SUV. There's nothing really special about it. It doesn't look bad. It just looks like a small SUV. The interior looks comfortable. And even the reviewer, I watched the YouTube video, the reviewer said that the seats were comfortable and it was comfortable to sit in, in the vehicle. The seats are heated as well as the steering wheel. So that's nice at 23,000 euros. That's, that's unexpected at that price. There is uh, a center infotainment string screen, excuse me, which is 10.25 inches. And then there's an instrument panel. That on the other side, it's it's not where it would normally be on a standard car. It, there's like a little plastic, black plastic piece that's up near the windshield. And that's where, they call that a heads-up display, but that's where the instrument panel uh, sits. So you can see how fast you're going and any other vital information that you might need. But it's real small. But I could see this being beneficial because instead of having to look down to check your speed or down into the right, which you do, or to the left, depending on what country you live in, which you have to do with the Tesla, you could keep your eyes focused on the road while still being able to safely glance and see how fast you're going or whatever other information you're looking for to be in that instrument panel. Carlos mentions the price, so we won't go into that. He also mentions the 321-kilometer range, which is right around 200 miles, a uh, 44-kilowatt-hour battery. The battery pack is actually up underneath the rear seat, so it's not in the floor like it is on most EVs. It's, it's underneath that uh, rear seat. And I think the reason why is because there's actually going to be an ICE version of this vehicle as well, and that seemed to the engineers, this is my guess on it, like it made the most amount of sense so they wouldn't have to change a lot between the EV variant and the ICE variant. That's my guess. The battery pack, let's see, it'll charge 20 to 80% in 26 minutes, 100 kilowatt charging speeds. So not super fast, but you are talking about a $23,000 car. So, you know, count your blessings where you can get them. 112 horsepower, 0 to 62 in 11 seconds, and a top speed of 84 miles an hour. I'm going to go ahead and end Carlos's opening remarks here, not because he didn't have interesting things to say. It was um, the ICE part of the business and the EV part of the business. All of that was kind of peppered in together. 
And I'm a little bit afraid that if I just play the clips that I found interesting, the context wouldn't be there, and I'm not going to be able to adequately describe what they're talking about, just because this was a very business-heavy opening remarks from Carlos. Now, if you're used to companies like Tesla, for instance, where the opening remarks has a little bit of business in it, but there's also things in there that would be interesting to us. I feel like Stellantis did not get the memo that they needed to produce a kilowatt-friendly earnings call. They didn't get that memo. That's okay. We'll we'll try it again next year. But what I do want to do is I want to talk about a couple of things that he mentioned and just kind of highlight them. The first thing is they currently there are 30 battery electric vehicle models that Stellantis is selling across all of their brands. They're going to bring another 18 models to market. Eight of those models will come to the U.S. market. He didn't go into detail of what those vehicles were specifically, but you got to assume that the Ram 1500 is going to be in there. And he did mention that the Ram 1500 was close to starting production. So that's, that's great. He said, he said that it's going to have over a 500 mile range. And if you opt for the gas-powered range extender, that extends your mileage to 700 miles on the Ram 1500 EV. Now, I will say, this isn't the concept that they showed off at CES. Like, remember last year, they showed off this amazing truck. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's just gorgeous, cool technology. And then, like a month later, month and a half later, they showed off a standard Dodge truck that just happens to be an EV. That's the one. It's it's the standard blah Dodge truck that just happens to also be an EV. Uh, let's see here. He also mentioned that Stellantis is opening up both battery repair centers and recycling centers. So that's great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. They did mention that they're ramping up also with some gigafactories to start building the batteries that they're going to need, the battery cells and the modules and the packs. So... Yeah, that, that's kind of it in a nutshell. There was a lot more businessy stuff, and trust me, you didn't want to hear it. It's very boring. And just to confirm how much you didn't want to hear it, dear Kilowatt community member, you are currently, you've been listening to this for about nine minutes, right? I've been listening to this entire presentation for 49 minutes, and there's there's a lot of stuff that's just not interesting in this. Now they just started asking investor questions or analyst questions. So I'm sure it's going to, it's going to turn around here in a moment. But one of the things that they mentioned a few times throughout the presentation was their concern when it came to the Chinese automakers and the more specifically to those Chinese automakers expanding into Europe and North America. So I'm going to play one of the clips for you just so you get an idea as to what they're talking about. And I should mention that the first part of the clip that you're going to hear has to do with how Stellantis is going to turn 2023 around or more, more to be more specific, like boost the margins. And I left that in because I think it flows nicely into the part where he talks about uh, the EV market and uh, the Chinese automakers coming in, to, like I said, North America and the European market. And then we'll talk about the rest of the stuff on the other side. The good thing is that in 2023, uh, we did many things wrong. And um, I can tell you that many of our business reviews uh, were not a walk in the park. 
which means that we are starting uh, 2024 uh, with a significant number of things that we can do better. Uh, we can also benefit from the fact that we have fresh products coming, not only about new models, but also about uh, new powertrains. Like, for instance, right now, we are deploying uh, in, uh, in Europe across the different brands a fantastic uh, a mild hybrid technology that is going to support a lot of additional profitable sales at the core of the market. So this is, to answer your question, yes, it is important to regain market share because we do not have a shrinking strategy, and this is visible in the commitment of doubling the net revenues by 2030. And we want to do it in a wise way, which is protecting the profitability and protecting the value of our brands and the brand equity that we have for supporting the pricing power. So that's my answer to your first question. Second question, the margin parity um, is something that uh, we believe we need to do. And uh, we believe we need to do it fast. Because uh, it is the best protection against the uh, Chinese offensive. Uh, Chinese offensive is going to be, of course, very powerful. It already is. You can see it uh, in the European market. In the US, you could compare to what happened in the 70s when the Japanese car makers came and to what happened in the 90s when the Koreans came. So we may not want to see a third time the same movie with the Chinese coming. So uh, it's important that we put ourselves in a business model that is immune to the mix of pure BEV sales, as we expect that mix to grow, uh, even though there could be some bumps on the road. The fact that for the last 10 months, we are experiencing more than 1.5 degrees of global warming is bringing a lot of uh, education to the people and to the public opinion about the urgency to do something about the global warming. Even if uh, passenger vehicles and LCVs are only 12% of the emissions, we need to bring our contribution to fix that. And I believe that the BEV uh, electrified sales ramp up is going to continue eventually with some bumps on the road. So it's important that we protect our business model vis-à-vis that sales mix increase and that we equalize, levelize the margins between the two. Right now, we are working on that and we are progressing quite quickly. Uh, 2023, the pace of uh, total uh, production cost on the BEVs was much better than the pace of total production cost reduction on ICEs. And it is being helped by the fact that many people are talking about the slowdown on the BEV demand, which has had a huge impact on the raw material cost, uh, which has come down, and that is helping us to reduce the total production cost on uh, BEVs faster than the IC. So it's important for us to do that, but it is important to do it fast. This is where we stand on those two questions. So two things I thought were interesting. One, he mentioned the global warming and that Stellantis needs to lower their impact on global warming. The other thing that I thought was really interesting was he said the cooling off in the EV market has helped prices of EV components come down and materials come down so that it's cheaper to to build these cars than it was, let's say, a year or even two years ago because everything was kind of running hot and heavy. But I thought that was an interesting clip, and it kind of boils down a lot of what they spent 49 minutes talking about into about a five-minute clip. So that's helpful as well. All right, our next question is going to kind of dip into some of the stuff that we've already talked about, but I think 
that Carlos adds a little bit more detail into how Stellantis is approaching EVs. So let's go ahead and listen to that. I have a question on on the EV adoption. That's uh, a big topic right now, uh, slow down. Um, seems to me that EV adoption is not just about dropping the price. We've seen aggressive price drops, and that hasn't really worked. And um, at the same time, we need healthy used car market, you know, resort values to hold up, more leasing, etc. And I'm curious to have your, your, your thoughts, because I think Stellantis is more involved in the whole value chain in distribution than most other car makers. So you probably have a better handle on those issues. And I'm kind of wondering what's your view on what needs to be done to make sure that there is a gradual progression of EVs, that we're not just waiting for cheap cars to come around, that is more smoothness in the process. Thank you. Well, thank you, Philippe. This is a very, very uh, great question. It's a $1 million question. Uh, I would like to try to answer you by saying that the EV adoption is mostly driven by the alignment of four different stars. The first star that we need to uh, to take uh, under our hands in our hands is the uh, the clean energy star. Uh, we need clean energy. Whatever you do in terms of uh, CO2 emission reduction, you need to start with clean energy. Assuming that we have the clean energy, uh, the second star that we need to have is about a visible, highly dense charging network, which means a charging network that comes to your customer journey at the moment where you don't need to look for the charging spot, which means when you go to the shopping mall, when you go to the supermarket, when you go to the restaurant, uh, when you go to gym, in the parkings of those services, you find charging units. So we need a second star, which is about a visible and dense charging network that comes to your customer journey and your citizen journey. That's star number two. Star number three is the product, the product itself. Uh, the product needs to be enjoyable, NVH, acceleration, uh, range. All of this is something that needs to make the product simply appealing. And I think we are there uh, with the Stella platform, Stella Medium, Stella, Stella Large, Stella, Stella Frame, and very soon Stella Small, all of these are going to demonstrate to you that uh, the product is absolutely outstanding. And I can tell you, after 42 years of automotive life, the, the BV products are better products. Uh, if we solve the inconvenience of range or the inconvenience of not finding always the charging spot that we would like to find. So that's the third star. And the fourth star is uh, affordability. Uh, and you are right to say, I share your perspective to say that it's not only about affordability, but uh, I would say that on the first three topics, the first three stars, some progress is being made on clean energy. Uh, some progress, probably not enough, is being made on the density of the charging network. Uh, the products are here. The products are coming, at least on Stellantis. They are now here, big offensive in the U.S. and already very, very present uh, in, uh, in Europe. And at the end of the day, we need to bring affordability the first example of affordability is the Citroën EC3, and we'll bring more, and we'll keep on working on um, reducing the costs of the BV technology. So when those four stars are going to align, I agree with you, things are going to move, and they will move faster, and they will move eventually very, very fast. Uh, we have a big stimulation uh, that is coming. It's the Chinese offensive. 
it's a big stimulation for us to go faster in aligning those four stars. And um, I was asked a question this morning about uh, um, if we are going to take any decision like some of our U.S. Uh, competitors in terms of slowing down what we are doing in electrification. And my answer is crystal clear. No, we keep it flat out. Because we believe that the education of the citizens and the education of the consumer about the urgency of contributing to fixing the global warming issue is going to grow from the fact that we are already seeing that we are above 1.5 degrees of global warming much sooner than what we had predicted. So the public opinion is going to push in that direction, whatever happens. You may have some uh, bumps on the road, some slowdowns on the road, but anyway, it's going to move. So we keep it flat out in the execution of the Dare Forward plan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. All right. I mentioned this before. Um, it, this, this clip gives us a really good idea of where Stellantis is at in terms of their their attitude towards EVs. And I'm happy he was you know thoughtful enough to break that down for us. I don't think it's any different than what Ford said or what GM has said in terms of how they're approaching hybrids and and electric vehicles versus keeping their ice business growing so they can keep their doors open. I'm curious as to what you think. Do you think there are similarities between, based on what you've heard, because obviously you haven't listened to the whole earnings call, but based on what you heard, do you think there are similarities between Ford, GM, and Stellantis in terms of their approach to this? To me, it sounds very familiar. Again, I listened to the entire GM earnings call. I've listened to the entire Ford and Stellantis earnings calls. So I might have a little bit of a different perspective on this. So this is me really just checking in with you folks and finding out, uh, am I doing a good enough job communicating this in a way that's one, informative and two, unbiased? Like I know that Mary Barra and GM's earnings call this this quarter irritated me. So I, I understand that that was total bias. But in terms of like, if you boil everything down from those three companies, it seems like they're all saying the same thing. So send me an email, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital and let me know what you think. Next up, we're going to hear about the Stella platform and how versatile it is. If I may start, um, Carlos, you alluded uh, to this at the very beginning, um, the production flexibility, uh, the platform flexibility that Stellantis has. Um, can you just elaborate on that in, in a bit more detail? Is it right that basically every plant, every production line can do with the Stella architectures the BEF version and the ICE and hybrid version at the same time? So there is nothing really dedicated in terms of uh, manufacturing assets. And 
how do you deal with that on the supplier side? Um, as in, you know, you have different parts going into the ice car than in, in, in the BEV, uh, in the powertrain side, um, needless to say, the battery itself. So how can you make sure you've got enough flexibility on that front should we go through a phase of uh, temporary weaker BEV demand? First of all, one suggestion that we'll have uh, for our IR team is to invite you to visit one of our plants so that you can see with your eyes uh, the flexibility that we are able to demonstrate in dealing with a very uncertain world. Uh, yes, I can confirm that uh, we have multi-energy platforms that can accommodate uh, ICE and, uh, and uh, BEVs. Um, a few years ago, I'm sure you remember, Patrick, perhaps not with you personally, but with a community of investors, two or three years ago, the message we were getting was, uh, if your platforms are multi-energy, then uh, they are not optimized for pure BEV, which means that the performance of your BEVs are not as good as the competitors. That's uh, the message we were getting three years ago. I remember at that point in time, I asked our team to demonstrate to me what was exactly the trade-off of having multi-energy uh, platform uh, against uh, dedicated BEV or dedicated ICE platforms. And uh, we, we made that study. We had several mock-ups. I want to give you the conclusion, uh, which is uh, quite simple. In fact, the only difference is in the way you position the uh, AC system, the air conditioning system, which generally speaking is below the instrument panel and below the instrument panel over the, above the tunnel, you have somewhere the shape of the AC system that is there on the firewall. If you make a dedicated BEV platform, you can, you can push that AC system a little bit forward, let's say about two to three inches, max, max. So you take the AC and you push it forward in the engine compartment because the electrical components are smaller than a pure IC engine. And then you can compare two mockups, one with the AC as it is positioned for a multi-energy platform, and another one where you say, well, this is a dedicated platform, so I'm going to push the AC forward. Generally speaking, uh, what is below the IP, mostly on top of the tunnel, is an area that you don't use because you have the driver and you have the co-driver. And generally speaking, everything which is below the, uh, the uh, IP instrument panel is dark. So the visual impact of moving that AC forward is marginal, and the actual performance in roominess is marginal of marginal, which this means that uh, the uh, benefit to the consumer of having a dedicated platform is almost nil compared to the diversity complexity that you generate if you have two kinds of platforms. Uh, we made that decision three to four years ago, despite the criticism, uh, it happens that in an uncertain way, a world, in an uncertain world today, it's the right decision. It is proven to be the right decision. Uh, and we could show to you those mock-ups so that you can uh, make your own opinion, but it's crystal clear when you make that study. So we are very fine with that multi-energy uh, decision on the platforms. 
The second thing is when you go in a plant where you are making BEVs, and you can go, for instance, to, uh, to Ordain where we make the, uh, the RCVs, and we make right now in Ordain the ICEs, the BEVs, and the fuel cells. Same plant, same line. So we can show it to you easily. Um, and uh, we see that what you have to prepare upstream of the main line is the module that you call a battery pack. Yes, you have a dedicated small shop where you bring the trays, you bring the modules, you bring the, the harnesses, and you assemble the battery pack. And then you move the battery pack in the line, on the main line, as if, as if it was an exhaust system or a gas, uh, a gas tank, and you assemble it on the underhood of the, on the hand floor of the car. So yes, this works because the level of expertise that we have in manufacturing and overall layout of our platforms is very, very high. And you can visit anytime. I would like to be there to invite you so that you can see it. Uh, on the, um, on the, on the m stuff, we have already commented right now, nothing is ongoing. Uh, it is clear that if we are among the most profitable car makers in the world, we are in a better shape to face the Chinese offensive than the ones who have the half, half of our profitability to face that competition. And if that was to come, then the guys who are the most profitable today are the guys who will be in a good position to eventually capture any opportunity. Nothing more than that. Everything else is speculation. This is our thinking on that front. As I am not a mechanical engineer, I'm just a bozo who does a podcast in his basement. I cannot argue any of the points that he made in terms of, you know, the benefits of having an all EV platform are negligible. Did I say that word right? Negligible, negligible, negligible. Anyway, I can't argue that. I can't even say the word negligible. Did I say it right there? <laughs> anyway, I'm not going to argue that point, but I will say one of the things that makes EVs kind of unique and different is having a frunk. Well, there's a good chance, and, and I don't know about this for sure, but there's a good chance that the Stella platform vehicles won't have a frunk. Or if they do have a frunk, it's going to be very small, right? Like I recognize that the benefits of having a platform that can be hybrid, ice, or electric vehicle to a company that's building all three of those types of vehicles is a benefit to you and the company, right? Benefit to the company, not so much you, the listener. But there, there has to be a trade-off of some of those things that make EVs unique and different and fun. And until we see more of the Stellantis vehicles, I don't know that I don't know that we're going to know if we hit that mark or not. I know there are people who just want carbon copies of the cars that they have now, just in an EV form. They're, those people definitely exist. I've talked to those people. I get it. They don't want the spaceship. They want a reliable car. But there are plenty of people like me and probably you who are listening to the show who want the spaceship, who wants a new and novel and exciting product to drive around. And my question to Carlos would be is, can you achieve that? by using the same platform for all three types of energy. I think he calls it energy sources, but having the same platform for ice, hybrid, and EVs. My guess is it's going to be harder than he's letting on. But from a business standpoint, this makes a whole lot of sense. 
Also, I, I do want to kind of step back. I said maybe the Stella platform vehicles don't have a frunk. The new Ram 1500 EV does have a sizable frunk. It is unknown if the EC3 has a frunk or not. So um, on all the review videos that I looked at, it didn't. no one showed off the frunk. They showed off the boot. But nobody showed off a frunk, so it may or may not have one. But anyway, my whole point is is that you could easily build something that is uh, practical for ICE vehicles and hybrids and EVs, but will it have a killer feature that everybody wants? Um, that, that remains to be seen. All right, everybody, that is it for us today. I am curious what your thoughts are on Stellantis and how you think they're doing in the EV transition. Um, just go ahead and email me, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Friday's episode will be our standard EV news day. And then after that, it'll either be Lucid or Rivian. Both of the earnings calls are tomorrow. So I haven't decided which one we're going to go with quite yet. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you on Friday. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.